0: Well, hey, happy New Year, everybody! How are you guys? Everybody have a good Christmas? Yeah, Oh, good, good. Glad to hear it, man. New Year means new things. I want to just add uh, a little bit to what Jamie said. Um, grateful for Lindsay and her stepping up. You know, we've got some new things happening here. We're gonna have more new things happening here. It's really good, but that's kind of the way things go, right? I mean, life goes, and and new things happen. So, um and God is in it all. It's it's all really really good. But this time of year we start to think about oh, sorry. For those of you who might be guests, my name is Nathan Harris and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. We're so glad that you're here with us. Um just want to also reiterate what Jamie said about the connect card. Go ahead and fill that out. I would love to be able to connect with you guys. Um, get to know you a little bit, uh, that goes for you regulars as well, if you just have a message you want to get to me, that, that, that would be great. Uh, anyway, at this time of year, we start thinking about, okay, how do, what do we want our lives to look like, right? What, what are some things that maybe we need to change, some things that maybe we experienced in the past that we don't want to continue to experience in the present or moving forward, Correct. Anybody else in that boat besides me? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know that, about you, but there are a number of things in my life where I kind of circle around the same mountain <laughs> over and over again. And and it's one of those things where God's saying, okay, we're going to learn this lesson. Don't worry, we're going to learn it. And you're going to stay here until you do. Um, That's how God works. That's his grace. That's actually one of the most gracious things he can do to us or do with us and for us. But as we are thinking about those things that we want to be different, I've got a question for you. What is your greatest need? What's your greatest need? Now, I know that asking that question might be a little bit like asking a kid what they want for Christmas. This, this didn't happen this year, but this, uh, last year, my son Caleb, in this kind of uh, marketing-induced coma, you know, between commercials and flyers in the mail and in the newspaper and all that kind of stuff, he was changing his Christmas wish list, uh, sometimes moment by moment. I mean, there were a few things that kind of stayed on the list, but there were a lot of things that just kept changing or getting added to, or whatever. And and I couldn't, I can't tell you how often my wife and I told him, buddy, um, there is no way you're getting all of this stuff, you know. And because this kept happening, even right up to zero hour, Christmas Eve, he's still coming to us. Here's my list. Like, sorry, dude, tapped out. (laughs) There's there shopping's done. It's all it's all done. But let's face it, we're all like that a little bit, aren't we? The world we live in is actually designed to keep us in a cycle of always looking for the next new thing. That's how our world works. It keeps our focus on it. It can be the next new car or smartphone or device or, or clothes or whatever else you can think of. And all of this stuff is presented to us in a way that says, hey, your life is insufficient or deficient in some fashion without this. Think about it. My son comes home. Dad, when do I get to get a cell phone? Never. <laughs> My nine-year-old is asking me about, uh, about a smartphone and because he sees his friends have it. And there's a status that comes with it. I'm not preaching against, I've got a smartphone, so I'm not, I'm not preaching against smartphones. But, but this, is, this is what happens in our lives. We see something, we think we need it in order for life to be fulfilled and whole. But think about it, it's a crazy cycle. Because all of these new things eventually do what? They get old, <laughs> They break down. We drop them into the toilet, right? I mean, they're gone. They get destroyed. They, they simply become the old thing that must be replaced by the next new thing. And so we begin chasing our, our own tails in circles round and round and round. We're just at, we get after this stuff. Now, I'm not saying that we're all a bunch of just, you know, greedy, grubby people, okay? But this is the way our society is built, What is the next new thing? What is the thing that is going to be, that that is going to bring me life? And then this all produces anxiety about the possibility, not only of attaining those things, but then maintaining them as well. Just prior to Abby's, my daughter's last birthday, my wife and uh, my daughter, Abby, were out shopping and, uh, they were at a particular store and they ran across this toy robot. Now, my daughter sees things sometimes and just wants them, but I think she had seen Wally or something like that. And so she thought, hey, a robot would be really, really cool to have. She even named it Wally. Hint we gave it a we we did get it for her. But my my wife texts me as they're in this store and she says, Hey, look on Amazon and see how if if they sell this and how much it is. So I do. I check it out. I text her back. Yep, here's the price. She goes, Good, buy it. Order it. We'll give it to her for her birthday. I'm like, okay, sure. And so I'm I'm checking out on, on Amazon using my smartphone, by the way. You know, so um I'm I'm checking out on Amazon. I purchase this thing, and what happens? when I go to the checkout and I, and I go to pay for it. Right before I, I get to the screen where it says, hey, so finalize the order, this message pops up. Do you want to purchase what? The protection plan. And it was only like five bucks or something like that. And I think, hmm, this actually kind of sounds like a good idea. And so I text my wife, should, should we do this? Do you think we should go ahead and do this? And my wife says, yes, get the protection plan. Why would we say that? Because we know my daughter. I mean, she has baptized her dolls in the in the sink in the bathroom, right? I mean, we, want to, and we want to protect our investment, this thing that we pour our money, our finances, our resources into, we want to protect. Let's be honest. The achievements we attain, the stuff we invest in, those things we've looked to as bringing us the life we want, we try to protect them, don't we? We look for ways of keeping them safe and hanging on to them so that nothing happens. And by extension, our life does not become diminished. Now, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise with our investments. We should. If you know that a cell phone has a very short lifespan around you, it might be a good idea to get the protection plan. Okay? Okay. In the case that you do drop the thing in the toilet. I, I actually read somewhere that, that is the, that's the highest death for cell phones is they get dropped in the toilet. So, um, that, that, real thing. It's, it's a real thing. But here's the deal. When we become preoccupied with maintaining and protecting our stuff in order to keep hold of a particular vision of life, a life a version of life that the world offers, no less, our ability to really live, to live the kind of life God has created us for and called us to, that he's designed and purposed us for, becomes diminished. When we are so focused on protecting these, this thing, the, our ability to live real life becomes diminished. It's diminished because we're living with one hand Holding on to something that's actually weighing us down. It's kind of like Pluto in the old Disney cartoons, trying to go through the door with the giant bone and can't make it through the door, can't move forward, can't do what he wants to do because he's hanging on to the thing. Now, understanding all of that, I'm going to ask again what is your greatest need? Think about it for a minute. In a world that says you need power, that you need influence, that you need position or or money, or you've got to have all of the right relationships or whatever else, approval, whatever else, and that you're nothing without these things, that you're less than other people without them. What is it that you need most? Maybe you're starting to think about Some brokenness in your life. Something that's gone wrong. Some area where you personally need healing. Maybe you're thinking about a broken relationship. A rift between you and a friend or a family member or maybe a spouse. Maybe you're thinking about something in your life that has brought pain to you and to others. Something that the Bible calls sin. Because it is living, it is—it's a way of life that's lived outside of how God has designed things to be. And so, life is is the way it's not supposed to be. As we think about these things, we start to to think maybe about the 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 that if this and for you fill in whatever the this is, okay? If this is fixed, then everything else will be good. Have you ever thought that? man if this one thing if this one problem just gets fixed if i can get out from underneath this one thing then all of life is going to be good have you have you ever felt that way have you ever thought that way i have so we begin to chase what amounts to symptoms without addressing the real issue It's not that these aren't issues that need to be dealt with. They do. Broken relationships need to be addressed. Jesus wants to address them. Brokenness in our lives needs to be addressed. Jesus wants to address that. Jesus wants to address the sin, the things that that stand between us and God. Those things need to be addressed. I need you to hear that. But maybe those things are all simply symptoms of a larger issue at, at work in our lives. It's like taking DayQuil to mask your cold symptoms so you can go about your day and you can get done what you need to do and then at the end of the day, you're just so tired and wiped out because you didn't take the rest that you actually needed, right? I've done that. We're masking symptoms. You guys, what we really need What we really need is real life. It's not merely to stop something. Yes, it's gonna include us stopping some things. But if all we do is stop those things without chasing the real life, then we're missing out and we're gonna find ourselves right back in the same position again. We need Real life. So here is the resolution worth keeping. That's what we're talking about today. A resolution worth keeping. Here is the resolution I think that we all can chase after this year. Here it is. Live life as God defines it. Which is living in loving, trusting relationship with him and others. Living life as God defines it, which is living in loving, trusting relationship with Him and with others. And as we're thinking about the things we want to improve this year and the ways we want to live better, this is something we have to reflect on. We need to take into account that what we really need is is life the way God defines it. And we need to make our adjustments and resolutions based on that. Jesus was once asked what the greatest commandment was. I know we've read this verse. If you've been here, you know, I've only been here since September, but I think I've read this verse up here a number of times. But this is really important. This is one of the main key things in the entire Bible. Jesus has asked this question. What is the greatest commandment? commandment. Now, this question was a little bit of a loaded question. First of all, you had a whole bunch of teachers who had different takes on things, and so they had their own perspectives. And so by asking somebody, what is is the greatest commandment? What you were really doing is you were saying, who do you line up with? Who are you following? What political leader are you joining with? What religious leader are you following after? And so part of what's happening here is that Jesus is being asked, who do you line up with? Who do you line up with? But the other part of this question is that, did you guys know there's over 600 commandments in the Old Testament? Six hundred. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I can maintain over 600 separate commandments all at the same time all of the time <laughs> i don't think i could even do that some of the time you know so people are asking this question what's the greatest commandment the other not only are they asking who are you lining up with they're asking what's the cliff notes what's the most important thing boil it down for me, Help me understand. And Jesus' answer was very simple. We're going to have the words up on the screen here. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You can follow along on the screen or you can open up your Bible. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. It says this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. When he says it's like it, he says, it's right up there. It's equal. It's joined with. It's just as important. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these Two commandments. Jesus says, this is the capstone. This is the thing that if you took it out, everything else would crumble around it. It gives, it gives structure to everything. It gives meaning to everything. It helps everything else hold its shape. Love God with all you are, with all you have. Leave nothing out of that and love people the same way. These are the most important things we can't actually the way Jesus says this we can't be loving God without loving people but how do we live it it's easy to say I was just having a conversation with my wife this morning talking about some things that I need to, to change and whatnot and and my wife very astutely points out you know that's going to take work right <laughs> yes dear thank you. <laughs> It, yes, it's going to take work. It, it's you can't just say I'm going to do this. There's something that has to be done. It requires more than talk. And Jesus tells us how to live this out beyond mere talk. This is Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six uh, thirty three, Jesus said, but above all else, pursue his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who are worried about where their next meal is going to come from and he's telling them pursue God's kingdom, God's righteousness first. I wanna tell you the kind. the this, this same principle applies to us getting and living the kind of life that God has designed and purposed us for. To, to get it, we've gotta pursue God. We've gotta pursue his kingdom above and beyond everything and anything else. Here in verse 33, Jesus says, we get life as God defines it by pursuing God's kingdom and righteousness above all else. Above all else. Which is the first thing we need to commit ourselves to. Number one, if you're taking notes on your outline, pursue God's kingdom and righteousness above all else. takes more than talk. I once stepped on a piano dolly, furniture dolly by accident. <laughs> and I was carrying, I believe I was actually carrying a, a very heavy chair at the time and and when I did, when I stepped on that thing, it shot out. <laughs> and so I did the splits. I am not built to do the splits, <laughs> okay? God did not ordain and design me to do the splits. I did some damage in my knee when I did that. I didn't know it. it took a couple of days, you know, the pain kind of a thing. I went to the doctor, took x-rays. x-ray said, yep, you've got some stretch ligaments in there. I want you to go to uh, a physical therapist. So I go to the physical therapist, and I'm, I'm, I'm faithfully attending the physical therapist sessions, okay? I want you to know that I'm faithfully attending those things. A month or so into my time, seeing this physical therapist, she says, you need to stop wasting my time and yours. What do you mean? I'm showing up. You're not doing the exercises. What I'm doing with you here is doing you no good because you're not doing it at home. And I was embarrassed. (laughs) That lit a fire under me. I started doing the exercises. And guess what? Within within a a short amount of time, actually, she said, nope, your knee's good. You're done. It took the effort. It took work. It wasn't enough for me to agree that I needed to do my exercises. In order to strengthen my knee, I I, I couldn't just say that I wanted to strengthen it. What I needed to do was act. I needed to do something. I needed to take the information given to me and I needed to put it into practice. I needed to change my inaction into action. This was something nobody else could do for me. You ever been in a position like that? Where... Your choice is what determines everything. How this turns out. Sometimes that that can be a little bit scary or intimidating. But that's that's what we're talking about here. It isn't enough for us to agree with the concept of pursuing God's agenda and way of life. We actually have to practice it. We got to do it. I have to put that practice into pursuit. It does me no good to sit at home and say, you know, kids, we need to love Jesus and then I go about doing things the way I've always done them. It doesn't work. It doesn't translate. And we're going to talk about some practices to, to help us do this in a bit, but this probably is bringing up some question for a number of people, what about God's grace? Aren't we saved by God's grace? Isn't it true that we can't earn God's favor and that nothing we uh, can do will add to or take away from his love for us? Isn't that true? And my answer is yes, that is true. I am not talking about earning a place with God. I'm talking about living a life based on what he has already done. Okay, so if you are hearing anything in here about you've got to do it better, you've got to try harder, you've got to pull yourself up, you've got to make it happen in order for God to love you, that is not at all what I'm saying. You can't earn God's love. What I'm saying is we are not passive participants in the life God has called us to, okay, We are saved by God's grace. God does love us simply because he has chosen to. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from Deuteronomy and Moses asks the Israelites the question, why is it that God picked you? Was it because you were the greatest, the smartest, the bravest, the most numerous people? He says, no, he chose you simply because he wanted to. Guys, he's chosen us because he wants to. That's who he is. You are chosen already. In Christ, you are already chosen. But now we get to put that grace and that love into action. In order to live pursuing God's kingdom and righteousness above all else, we need to have a solid foundation of God's amazing, relentless, unchanging, reckless love for us. That love needs to be the basis of everything we do. It's the gift that energizes us to do the things that we do. It's our power source. But we still need to act. One author, Dallas Willard, put it this way Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Effort is action, earning is attitude. You have never seen people more active than those who have been set on fire by the grace of God. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Effort is action, earning is attitude. Earning says, you owe me. I have done thus and such, And therefore, contractually, you owe me this other thing. That's earning. God freely gives us something. And he says, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? When we are grabbed by God's amazing love, we're freed and energized to live out the kind of life he's designed us for. We're free to pursue God's agenda above all else because the gift of his love motivates and moves us into action. And if we don't pursue God's agenda above all else, then we're simply letting the gift of God's love for us go to waste. We become a dead end. My son, Caleb, loves Legos, all kinds of Legos. Specifically right now, he's really into the Star Wars Legos. Um, But something that my son does with, with the Legos, whether they're gifts or he goes out and he buys them or whatever, they don't stay very long in the shape that they came or that they were intended to out of the box. Okay, so he's followed the directions. He's put them together. He's done a good job at doing that. But then he starts taking them apart and he starts to build other things with them. And he does a really good job with this just hodgepodge mess of different Lego sets. Caleb is an example to me of what it means to put the gift to work. He doesn't build his Legos to get more Legos. He already has them, and he's got quite a few of them. He builds them in order to put them to work. He has ideas in his mind and he builds with them and he creates new, really cool things out of them. You guys, when we pursue God's agenda, his kingdom and righteousness above all else, we are simply putting the gift he's given to us to work. Which is what we're supposed to do. The apostle Paul wrote this, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10. through 10. He wrote, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. If you, anybody is confused about this, let this clear this all up right now. Our salvation, your standing with God is based solely on God. Okay, Paul clears that up. Verse nine, not by work so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God doesn't expect us to earn his love and favor. He gives it to us because he wants to. What he expects is that we join him in the work of love. That's what he wants. That's what he invites us into. We need to pursue God's kingdom and righteousness, God's agenda for what we do and how we do it above all else. So here's the question, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pursue God's kingdom, God's agenda, the way of life that God says, hey, this is it. Are you willing to pursue that above all else? It's a question only you can answer. Number two on your outline, if you're taking notes, trust God for the rest. Trust God for the rest. We, we need to pursue God's kingdom and righteousness above all else, and then we need to trust God for the rest. This one is really hard for us, isn't it? There are all kinds of questions that come up. What if God doesn't come through? I, I, I'll admit, I've asked that question. What if God doesn't actually do what he says he's going to do? What if God isn't really as good as he claims to be, and I'm left holding the bag, so to speak, I'm going to be left without what I need. What what if? I went to high school with a couple of guys who had come from a really, really bad situation. By the time I knew them, they were adopted into a new family. They were well-fed and cared for and loved. But when they were two and three years old, consistently one of them got locked in a closet and the other one had to help his twin survive by feeding him mayonnaise. True story. Now, some of you, like my friends from high school, have experienced some pretty horrific things at the hands of people who are supposed to be trustworthy. People who you were supposed to be able to count on. And because of what you've endured, trust is very difficult. happens, unfortunately, in life. Some of you maybe haven't experienced that. Some of you might, like me at times, simply get focused on the what-ifs. And when those what-ifs begin piling up, you decide you've got to do something so that you feel more in control. So you launch out on your own, taking your own action, not taking time to listen to what God has to say. Now, whether you've experienced some really horrific things or, or you're, you, you just ha- let have those what-ifs pile up in your life or maybe somewhere in between, we need to learn to trust God more. And it is something that we learn. I'm not talking about taking a giant leap from relying on ourselves to trusting on God. When I say learning to trust God more, there's a process we all need to go through it to increase the the trust factor in our lives. It's like going to the gym and working out. It's like me doing those exercises for my knee that was messed up, slowly strengthening it. We need to think of trust as a growth process, a journey we go through. Trust is something built and strengthened over time. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, he said this, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, when you read about knowledge in the Bible, it's not merely knowledge about about facts and things, like when you, you cram for a test and you regurgitate in a classroom setting, and, and then once you've regurgitated all that stuff, you, you forget about it later. That's not the kind of knowledge that's talked about here. The knowledge the Bible talks about is experience. It comes as you experience through re- relationship walking with someone else. Here Paul is saying that he's praying that our capacity and ability to love will grow more and more as we experience the faithfulness and love of the God we are trusting and walking with. That's what he says. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In other words, so that we will become more and more what God has created us to be. That's what he says. We will only grow in our ability and capacity to love and trust to the extent that we place ourselves in a position to experience life with God. My kids love to be with me. They love to do things with me. My daughter especially. I remember uh, a couple summers ago, we were out uh, washing the van and uh, had the hose out. And I was teaching the kids how to wash the vehicle, which meant that dad got sprayed with the hose a lot. Um, they got to use the sponges which, and, and scrub, which meant that I had to go back over what they did. At one point, the entire process just breaks down into utter chaos when my son abandons the project, runs into the garage, grabs his scooter, and proceeds to zoom over my bottle of liquid soap. And I get more soap on the driveway than I do on the car. It was a mess. It was glorious. In all of this process, my kids were experiencing my direction. They were learning how to wash the van with me, right beside me. It's the same for us when we place ourselves in a position to do life with God and learn from him. Sometimes we make a mess of things. I do. A lot. (laughs) Sometimes we make a mess of things, but under the direction of the God who loves us with a relentless, never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love, all of those messes just become lessons. It's not so bad. It's not so messed up that it can't be fixed or taken care of. And as we live that way with him, we learn that not only that we can trust him, but we learn to trust more and more. And more, Matthew 6.33, but above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Pursue and trust. Pursue and trust. Two sides of the same coin, and we can't really pursue God's agenda, his way of life, without stepping out and trusting him. We have to do that. It's great to talk about doing this more as a resolution this next year, but that's kind of vague and like I said talk is cheap. It doesn't amount to really anything. How do we move into action? I want to give you guys three things that we can do this year. Practices and it's a cycle. We're going to go over this and over this and over this if you're willing to. How to pursue God's agenda? First all, first of all, assess where you you are at in living This kind of life, living the kind of life God has for us. Take some time to think about what gets in the way of you trusting God. That's going to look a little bit different for each of us. Maybe there is something horrific in your past where there needs to be some healing. And I'm not, God isn't going to wave a magic wand and it's all going to just be automatically better and everything will be good and roses and, and unicorns and all of the things, right? I'm, I'm not saying that. But we need to identify whether they're really big things or there's just a bunch of smaller things. What is it that gets in the way of us trusting God? This is going to require you to spend some time alone and quiet, which is uncomfortable because our culture, oh my goodness, it is filled with noise. Video, music, it's everywhere. You can't, you almost can't escape it. I mean, we've talked about the cell phone thing, our smartphones, that we've got the whole world in the palm of our hands right in front of us 24 seven. As long as we've got a charge, We need to take time to step away from it all so that we can really focus on the question without distraction. One of the ways to do this is simply to start out with five or ten minutes two or three times a week at the end of of those days. Five to ten minutes, two or three times during the week. Use a notebook, write down your thoughts as you ask God to show you. What is getting in the way of me trusting you? Ask him. He'll be faithful. He'll share with you. If you don't, chances are something will pop into mind, at least one thing. Well, you know, yeah, you know what? I probably need to stop some, you know, this thing. I need to give this thing up. But even if that doesn't happen, just listen quietly. Know that God is is with you, He is teaching you. He is going to guide you. And what you'll find is that as time goes on, as as you make a habit of this, you're going to be able to increase the amount of time that you spend doing this and how often you do it even. Assess where you are at in pursuing God's agenda and trusting him. That's number one. Number two, ask before you act. Ask before. Before you act, I can't tell you how often I get into trouble because I just launch out and doing something, and my wife said, "Um, That's not what I wanted. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Communicate. It works really well between spouses and family members and friends. Guess what? It works well between you and God, too. Ask before you act. When we rely on ourselves to produce life and good things for ourselves, Who's ultimately, who's the ultimate authority we're actually relying on? Ourselves. That's right. Me. Me. I'm the authority. I, I'm gonna, I am going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you here know everything in all of the world and you can do it very well? Raise your hand. I want to see the hands up. Yeah. None of us, right? We don't know it all. I don't know it all. That's not shame on us. We're just human beings. God didn't create us to know it all. God didn't create us to be able to be the repositories of all that there is with with an unending ability to accomplish it. We need to ask him. When you're faced with a decision or, or a situation at work or in your family, comes up, take a couple of minutes just to step back. Lift it up to God. God, what do you want? How can I go about addressing this? And then sit still for a couple of minutes and give him opportunity to speak back to you. In our reactive culture, that demands immediate responses to the news we hear or the the offenses that we encounter this is going to seem counterproductive but as we place ourselves in the position to trust God more and more we will find that we're actually that we actually become offended less we'll find that the issues we once thought needed immediate response don't actually have the control over us that they did, that they're not quite as emergency level that maybe we thought they were. Ask before you act. Number three, link up with other people in the same pursuit. I have already mentioned, I don't have all of the answers. And just like I need God, I need other people. I need you guys. I need you guys in my life. My perspectives are flawed. I'm human. And guess what? So are you. Left to our own assumptions and imaginings, we oftentimes see offenses where there aren't any, don't we? I need the perspective of others to help me see what I can't see. And one place to get that is by coming together with other Christ followers participating in church just like you're doing right here and now but that's not enough here once a week on sunday mornings isn't enough we need regular input and prayer from people who are walking in the same direction we are we need a group of people that we're doing life with so here's part of the challenge who is that group for you we want to be able to provide small groups. We do have Bible studies happening here. We've got some small groups that are happening, and we've got some th- things coming up that we're going to be doing. I had that sign-up sheet out uh, uh, in November about possibly leading groups, so I'm, I'm, we've got one that's coming up here before too long. But you guys, we, Celebration Center can provide these opportunities. The question is, are you going to step into it? Are you going to engage in life with others? Assess where you're at. Ask before you act and link up with others. These are just three things to begin placing ourselves in a position to live out a resolve to pursue God's agenda and to trust him more. We could talk about the importance of Bible study and reading, of joining and serving on a regular basis with other people and and many other things. This isn't meant to be, this message today is not intended to be an end all of everything you can do. It's meant to be a starting point. How can you begin? Will you join with me in pursuing God's agenda and trusting him more? Will you make this your resolve this year? I'm gonna have the band come back up and we're gonna pray. Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that we don't need to perform to get your love, that you give us your love simply because you want to. God, for anybody here who is feeling like they're not doing it good enough, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would give them your presence right now. That you would give them your peace. That you would encourage them and help them to know just how deeply loved they are, not because of what they do, but because you've created them. You love them just because. God, I pray that that reality would become a reality for all of us, that none of us would, would resolve to pursue you more out of a sense of, of mere duty, or I have to, or God's going to be mad at me, or, or anything like that. But God, that this would be a response, a heart response of love from me to you, God. From us to you, so that we can be a people who are marked by your grace, who are giving your love away. Let us live this way. Maybe you're here and you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower yet, but you'd like to. I'm gonna say a prayer. Just make it your own right where you're at. God, here I am. I want to know you. I want to live in the love and in the life that you have. I'm tired of this way of living that, that I've lived. I give it to you. Make me part of your family. Lord, for anybody who made that prayer theirs, God strengthen them right now. Give them your spirit, your very presence, and empower them so that in the in in the moments, in the days, and the weeks and months ahead, that they would be rooted and grounded in your love for them. Be with us, Father, this year as we seek your kingdom and your righteousness above all else and as we trust you in everything. In Jesus' name I pray.